Welcome to Who Ties. It's your boy, my K Smith, also known as Akis. Back with another fire episode. We have CJ Holmes coming on, talking about the Golden State Warriors, talking about Stephen Curry, talking about his legacy. But first and foremost, Joel and B won the MVP, the first African-born player since Hakeem Olajuwon. That's special in itself because, you know, Hakeem is arguably what most people consider the most skilled big man of all time. You know, his footwork in the paint office, his footwork in the paint office, also his defensive ability as well is phenomenal. But Joel and B winning this, this MVP, I feel like eventually when it's all said and done, most people are going to put Joel and B as probably the, the most skilled center of all time because he has the footwork in the post. You know, he has the, the defense ability. But I think what makes Joel B stand out and what makes him even more special and why I'm happy he won this MVP is his ability to boogie on the outside of the paint, you know, the perimeter. You know, this is a guy that said, basically, he started, watch, he, he started watching basketball, started watching the Los Angeles Lakers. That was one of his favorite teams growing up. And the reason why he fell in love with the game was watching Kobe Bryant. And to see a seven-footer basically be a two-guard at times on the perimeter and kind of be like Kobe at times with the jab work, with the fadeaway ability, is very, very special. And it's phenomenal. And I'm glad he won the MVP. He truly deserved it. I know people are going to talk about maybe it was a lopsided vote for his like 73 first place votes for Joe Embiid. And maybe people feel like Nicole Jokic and Giannis should have had more first place votes that they got. But I really feel like Joe Embiid had an historical season. A lot of people don't really want to talk about, but need to give him credit. I mean, this is a guy that won back-to-back scoring titles, which was the first time this happened in 45 years. You know, that's something impressive. And then we talk about a guy that had 350-point performance this year as a center. That's another thing that's impressive. Like, he had a historical season. I think we need to give him the respect and the credit that he deserves. And I'm so happy that the MVP trophy and award is going back to Philly. The last Philly player won, of course, was Allen Iverson. And I'm very happy that Joel Embiid, and congratulations to Joel Embiid as well. But coming on, once again, we have C.J. Holmes of the – Golden State Warriors writer for the San Francisco Chronicle talking once again about Stephen Curry, talking about the Los Angeles Lakers series. Are they going to advance against the Lakers? Find out. Tune in. And we're back with another fire guest today. We have CJ Holmes, Warriors writer from the San Francisco Chronicle. How you doing today, man? I'm all good, man. Thanks for having me. Good. CJ, where are you from? Uh, Washington, D.C. One from DC. Okay, we out here in New York. Um, how did you gain your love for basketball? Oh man, you know the funny thing is, like when I was a kid growing up in DC, um, mom was a single mother, parents got divorced when I was young, so mm-hmm. you know a lot of my ch- I got I had an older sister, and uh, a lot of my childhood consisted of uh, staying in the house, eating a lot of food, and playing video yeah. games. I wasn't really that sporty of a kid. Uh, when okay. I was little, um, but around when I was like maybe 11, 12 years old, my mom remarried, um, met my stepdad, who was, you know, just as close to me as my real dad is, but he's really the one um, who got me into hoops. Uh, he's the one who got me into, you know, he's the reason why I'm in the frat, I, I, the frat I'm in. I remember Mega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Okay. Uh, okay. Shameless plug real quick. <laughs> and uh, although there was a lot of kicking and screaming early, you know, my basketball career in terms of going for frags and stuff. Uh, eventually, I fell in love with the game, and, you know, that took me to IMG Academy, and IMG Academy took me to Auburn University, and, you yeah. know, now I get the, you know, I, I ain't make it to the league as a player, but, you know, yeah. I made it to the league as a journalist, and it's, it's pretty cool getting to, 
you know, cover the game I love every day. How was it playing for Auburn? It was a good experience. Uh, we ain't, we didn't really win a lot of games during my time. Well, gotta be honest with you, I yeah. uh, never got to play any NCAA tournament or you know anything like that. But you know the relationships I've formed, the perspective I've, I've gotten, you know about the game of basketball. You know if I could do all over again, I would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know some of my lifelong friends or you know the people who you know I went to war with between those lines every day. You know in practice and games. You know got to play all over the SEC. I um, got to play with a lot of guys, you know, around the league who I cover right now. You know, it's funny when I yeah. first started covering the Warriors, I had to talk, you know, I was chatting with Gary Payton the second. You know, he was at Oregon State when I was at Auburn yeah. and we played him out in Vegas. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just like little things like that that kind of like, I want to say, you know, gives me a leg up on other journalists, but that perspective of actually, you know, being someone who played and, you know, been around the game at a high level only like helps me, you know, in terms of my professional career. No, I definitely agree. I mean, I didn't play Division One, but I did play D3. So, you know, that different perspective when you've been on the court and you had to do it. Um, and then you go into the sports industry, especially basketball, you have a little kind of like a little advantage. Um, but you went to Auburn. I got to ask about J- uh, Jabari Smith from the Rockets. How do you feel about him um, this I love, year? I love Barry, man. Um, yeah. I, I, You know, he was after me. Um, I didn't know him that personally, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my best friend KT Rell, who's now in the the director of basketball ops over at FAU, mm-hmm. um, you know, he got the coach Bari and, you know, you know, I've heard nothing but good things about the kid, good kid, great player. Um, and, you know, whenever the Rockets are at Chase Center or we go down to Houston, I make sure I hit him with a little War Eagle if I see him. <laughs> but um, his rookie year got off to a rough start, you know, mm-hmm. maybe not a rough start, but maybe a slow start, some more accurate to say it, but yeah. Really picked it up as the year as the year went on. Um, I know he lit up the Warriors uh, the last time um, we yeah. went down. Last time we all went down to Houston. So I mean, I think the skies is the limit for a kid for the kid. Um, he's a top five pick for a reason. Yeah. Um, you know, not everybody can be Apollo Bancaro and come out here dominating. Out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> NBA ready from, body. You know, yeah. You know, straight yeah. for, But you know, in terms of that NBA ready body, I think he's going to continue to grow into his body add more muscle, become more of a force at the defensive end. And, you know, obviously the offense is, is going to come as it did down the stretch of the regular season. Scott is a limit for Barry, man. Yeah, I think he he's smooth. I think he has a lot of potential, like shooting ability. If he could just tighten his handle up a little bit, just, like you said, the sky's the limit. We're, we're here to talk about the Warriors, though, so let's get, let's get right into it. <laughs> Anthony Davis, 30, 23, 5, and then 4 blocks. How did the Golden State Warriors – stop Anthony Davis for the rest of this series? I don't think there's, there's no stopping Anthony okay. Davis. You know what I'm saying? Okay. The only thing that's stopping Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis, right? You know, his uh, availability has been in question for, you know, a lot of his career, especially over the last couple of years in terms of being healthy and staying on the court. But, you know, when Anthony Davis is on the court, you know, he's arguably the best, you know, the best forward slash center in the league. I mean, the dude yeah. is a unicorn, supreme life. Can attack you in different ways, whether it's from three or around the rim. Um, ultimate rim protection, the Lakers funnel everything defensively towards him. Um, so there's really no stopping Anthony Davis. You just like really find a ways to limit him and slow him down. Um, despite Kevon Looney's best efforts they last yeah. night, the dude still walked out of Chase Center with 30 and 20. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, Kevon Looney's what, 6'9? Like 6'8, 6'9? 6'8, 6'9. You know, you can be physical with AD all you want, but, you know, he can shoot right over the top, right? He can mm-hmm. still shoot over the top, and if his touch is going, it's going to be a long night. Um, going forward in terms of adjustments, um, 
all you can really do is continue to keep fresh bodies on him, you know, make him work for his touches, you know, play physical with him, um, especially playing physical without guarding, you know, trying to keep him off the free throw line. It's a big, like, AD, he loves to live at the free throw line. Yeah. And then, you know, really just hope for the best because at the end of the day, he's one of the best in the world. And, you know, when he decides he's on, he's on. Yeah. What about the, what do you feel about the offensive side, though, for the Golden State Wars? I feel like, Steph Curry was on, Jordan Poole was on, Klay Thompson was on. And the reason why I said, what can you do to kind of like, maybe not on the offensive side, I think Anthony Davis is going to get his, but maybe the defensive side, maybe you pull him out of the paint and into, into the perimeter. Because I'm looking at it right now, you said Kevon Looney, and then they also got Draymond Green. But mm-hmm. I feel like LeBron's guarding Draymond, Anthony Davis guarding Kevon Looney. Those guys aren't really threats offensively. So you got guys that's going to be fresh on the offensive side of the ball, and then you know, on the defensive side, they're not on the perimeter. So maybe do you consider having Stephen Curry, you know, have the ball more in his hands and maybe put in Anthony Davis and even LeBron James in the pick and roll? Or what do you do? You just still with this, do you stay with the same formula to go to say Warriors form, which is, you know, heavy ball movement and finding the, the guys open in the right shots? I mean, here's the thing. Like, I think either almost half or half the Warriors shots in game one against the Lakers was from three-point range. And a lot of yeah. that is because, as you said, you know, AD – they're funneling everything towards AD. And as you know, yeah. he had four blocks, but he also altered like a handful of other shots. Mm-hmm. The thing is, uh, offensively for the Warriors, you know, they're obviously a, a, a three-point shooting happy team, right? And, you know, although they, they tied a record for the amount of the three-pointer, they had like, what, 50, they attempted like, what, 54 threes last night, which yeah. was like tied record um, for the yeah. most threes they ever attempted in a playoff game. But mm-hmm. they also made 21 of them, which also tied a record for the most makes. And they shot yeah. 40% on that clip. So yeah. I don't think necessarily the three-point shooting is the issue. The issue, what I saw in game one offensively, was the disparity at the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Lakers had 17 three-throw attempts for the Warriors even took one, right? And I think the Warriors took six for the game or like Lakers took like 27 or something like that. And a mm-hmm. lot of that has to do with the, the, with the contrasting styles of play the yeah. Warriors the Warriors want to run they want to shoot a lot of threes the Lakers they want to slow down they want to play inside out they want to get the ball in the paint they want to attack the paint naturally when you attack the paint more frequently you're going to get more foul calls right you know you're not going to get a lot of foul calls jacking up 54 threes a game so the adjustment that the Warriors have to make heading in the game too offensively is to you know although the threat of Davis in the paint that's going to be a thing all series right you want mm-hmm. to put him in you know, screen rolls, you know, Dar- Darvin Ham's going to find a way to, you know, keep him in the paint. He's, it's yeah. going to be a constant throughout the series. So the Warriors have to get into a mindset where they're attacking to score, not necessarily just attacking to see contact. You can't go in there expecting your shot to get blocked. You know, yeah. as Steve Kerr said, there has to be a sense of fearlessness in it. You've got to make AD work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, if you're going in there and you're throwing up weak stuff, it's going the other way. LeBron had three blocks yesterday. I think Jared Vanderbilt had two. D'Lo had one. AD had four. That's because they're kind of they're throwing up weak stuff. They're not necessarily getting their body into these guys and drawing fouls. Um, so while I don't think the three-point shooting will be an issue as long as they're shooting an efficient clip, there has to be more of a desire to attack the rim, get, get an AD in foul trouble. And when you're doing that, you have a more balanced attack and things will loosen up for them offensively. And who does that who does that come from on the offensive side for the attacking? We know Stephen Curry, you know, he can get to the rim. He's a underrated finisher. People don't talk about like Stephen Curry's finish ability. But I feel like Jordan Poole is another guy, like, 
creatively he can finish at the basket. But I think the guys that you kind of want to be more aggressive on the offensive side of the ball, it's the same guys where Anthony Davis and LeBron James kind of chilling when they're guarded. That's Draymond Green and also Kevon Looney. Maybe they have to be the ones attacking and trying to put some type of offensive pressure on the Lakers. It's, it, it, you know, those are all strong points. You know, you know Steph's going to get to the rim. Um, yeah. JP, like you said, JP is capable of getting to the rim, but there are times where it seems as if he is driving to – he's driving expecting to get fouled instead of driving to get a bucket. Right. You know what I'm saying? Referees, yeah. you know, say what you want about the, you know, offici- officiating in these playoffs, but, you know – the way the game is supposed to be played and the way the game is supposed to be officiated is that referees, enjoy, they reward physical play. They, they, they reward intent. You know what I'm saying? So with JP, there has to be more of an intent to score rather than just going in there, you know, seeking contact, hoping to get fouled. Because right. referees will sense that. Next thing you know, you're not going to get a call. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be more opportunities. You know, you know how the Warriors love to do dribble handoffs and the motion in the motion office. I mean, so there needs to be more of like maybe Draymond faking that handoff and, you know, going to the rim, uh, drawing fouls. Um, you know, I guess bottom line is it has to be, it has to come from everyone across the board because the Warriors have so many capable drivers on the team. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's just a mindset they have to adopt in order to want to do that instead of simply settling for outside shots, you know, just because they can make. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, what would you say going forward has to be maybe not the, the key guys like uh, Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole, or maybe even Draymond? Like, who would you say has to be maybe can contribute that's not necessarily getting the minutes right now? Like, who could be an X factor for the Golden State Warriors this series that's not really getting the minutes right now? Like a Dante no. or like a Moody or somebody of that. Elk. You know, I would. Love to say a Jonathan Kaminga, but for one reason or another, he's been absent, you know, from mm-hmm. the playoff rotation. He only averaged like six minutes per game in the Warriors open round series against Sacramento. And he didn't even, and, and you know, in, in, pre, in pregame, Steve Kerr, yesterday in pregame, Steve Kerr said that, you know, this is a series where Jonathan Kaminga can make an impact, yet he didn't receive a single minute yeah. um, off the bench, you know. I was I went into the game with the impression that okay maybe J.K. will be one of the guys that start the second quarter. That turned out right. in terms of bigs, right? It turned out mm-hmm. to be Jamichael Green, and that's kind of where my X factor is. If that's the direction Kerr is going to keep going in, mm-hmm. and I say that to say this, you know, when the Warriors are on offense, the Lakers are going to want to pack the paint, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 gives an opportunity for Jamichael Green, a stretch big who isn't afraid to shoot that three, to be able to stretch the floor, knock down threes, and loosen up that defense a little. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, that's coming more so from the second unit, but still he's bringing something to that offensive attack. And, you know, in terms of a stretch, you know, a stretch for, at, you know, the Warriors, you know, don't really have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jamichael Green is knocking down that three point shot at a high clip. And I think he shot it pretty decently in game one. And I expect him to get more minutes going forward because in terms of loosening up that defense, that's exactly what the Warriors need. Right. That's not a bad X factor. Um, let's say the Warriors go out and they beat the Lakers and they win this series and they head to the the NBA Finals like they did last year and they won the Finals. Uh-huh. What would a fifth ring mean for Stephen Curry's legacy? Man, you know, the funny thing is, you know, we were sitting in Boston last year at the Finals, you know, everyone, you know, reporters, everyone kind of talking like, like it was the last dance in a sense because I don't think anyone expected them to win it last year, but somehow they got it done. And, you know, to beat a young, hungry Boston team, 
know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, like that, that was an accomplishment within itself. Not to mention that the Warriors, everyone count out the Warriors in that final series. And, you know, Boston, I, I believe, entered that series as the best defensive team in the league. And the Warriors just took him to church. Steph Curry took him to church, man. But you know, I think to, you think they <laughs> you think people counted the Warriors out last year. I thought absolutely. the Warriors I thought I the Warriors was, was I thought the Warriors was gonna win. <laughs> I know I thought I the, you know you did? Okay, well that's it. So if you're covering the team. So I respect that. Um I did respect that take. Yeah, I mean last year I felt like the Warriors I I don't know, it just in the regular season and in the playoffs, I was like, I don't think anybody was gonna beat the Warriors. I think Boston was the best team that had a chance to do it. Cause like you said, they had the young talent and also defensive wise. But when you got a, a dynasty, it's just like you're going against guys that never been to the finals. So I kind of I thought the Warriors was gonna win, but that's here nor there. What would this if they do win this year, what would this do for Stephen Curry and his legacy? A fifth ring? Cause we're talking about guys like Kobe, Tim Duncan. You know, he would join that list of a very small group of guys that have won five championships. You know, I think Stephen Kirby is already a top 10 player, you know, in the history of this league. But okay. winning a fifth ring, you know, during an era where LeBron James, you know, was in the league, winning championships, going to finals, to say that you won, you know, you know, I think, what 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 was it? two or three of their four championships against LeBron James. And you had to go through LeBron again to get the ring number five. I think there needs to be a serious, you know, conversation about who the best player in this generation is, you know, oh. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, you think so? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I wouldn't, my thing about that, I think this year, I mean, Steph is 35. He's still, this is, he's still in his prime. LeBron James is 38 years old. When he's healthy, you can consider make an argument that he's a top 10 player in the league still when he's healthy. I wouldn't necessarily say force. I understand the fact that, like you said, going against LeBron James and at the end of the day, like you play who you play. You make it to the finals regardless of who has the better team. It's just like whoever's in front of you, you got to win at the end of the day. And that's what the Golden State Warriors did. Only thing that I would say about that in those matchups, we really only saw like, two really like finals matches where I would consider like it was actually a LeBron versus, you know, Curry type of finals. That's my opinion. Cause we know what happened when Kevin Durant came on and that's not to take away from Stephen Curry or anything, because I'm a guy that a firm believer that believes that, yo, it was a one, a one B situation. Kevin Durant won those finals MVPs, but Stephen Curry's his gravity on the court, you know, getting double scheme and stuff like that. It helped, it helped them win those championships. So I don't know if I would say, like, it needs to be a conversation for us, like, who is the best player of this generation, if it's LeBron James or Stephen Curry. If Steph goes out and win a fifth ring, but I will say I think a fifth ring for his legacy would probably make him, without question, you know, if not a top five player, damn near close. I don't think how you can really deny that. I think personally, because I view the game as talent, skill set, and also then you could you combine the legacy. To me, he's already a top five player because strictly basketball, we talk about just strictly basketball, resumes aside, talent, skill set. I don't is it five players that play this game better than Steph Curry right now? Probably, probably not. So um that conversation is definitely a conversation. CJ, but I want to get into this next segment 
And it's called the Truth Tone segment. So I'm basically going to read you off a tweet on what you tell me if this guy or this girl is a Truth Tone or not. Sounds good? Okay. All right. So it says, from Cuffs to Legend, Street saying that the Suns ain't nothing but the Brooklyn Nets with cactus in their yard. Truth teller or not? <laughs> <laughs> what in their yard? Cactus in their yard. Street <laughs> saying that the Suns ain't nothing but the Brooklyn Nets with cactus in their yard. Is he a truth teller or not? I, I don't think, I think that's false, man. Um, okay. you, you know, while the KD Suns have similar depth issues when compared to, you know, the KD Kyrie Nets. Yeah. I mean, if you look at that starting five, KD, um, Devin Booker, DeAndre Eaton, um, you know, Chris Paul, whenever he decides to be healthy and who cares who yeah. has the last spot, um, I think that's arguably the best five-man group in the entire league, right? Um, I don't think KD could say that about his starting five in Brooklyn. And, and I think I think Phoenix's biz, biggest issue right now is they give up a lot to KD. They don't really have a lot of depth left, and that's going to show yeah. even more so now if Chris Paul expected to mess games three through five. Yeah. And that's even saying and that's if they don't mess around and get swept, right? Yeah. Um, so I do think that... This version of the the Suns is better than that version of the Nets, um, but the depth issues are you know definitely similar. Yeah, I think they're definitely similar. Also, I feel like for the Phoenix Suns, when you it's their their situation is similar with Kyrie Irving when Kyrie Irving came over to Dallas Mavericks. When you try to get a superstar over, you deplete your depth, and it's kind of like you got to go to war with the players you got, and then get in the offseason, then you got to retool. Or it's like you said, you you brought up Chris Paul. That's interesting because I know Chris Paul is hurt and stuff like that. I felt like the initial problem with this series was Chris Paul. I thought he should have came off the bench. And the reason why I thought he should have came off the bench because I felt like they would have had a better chance of kind of like switching everything defensively. And then you let Chris Paul kind of come in and attack the second unit. But now he's hurt. And now it's like maybe they do that, but they need bodies and they don't have Chris Paul. So it's going to be interesting if they can make this a series. If they make this a series and they win without Chris Paul – and then maybe the idea will probably come like, okay, now, Chris Paul, you come off the bench, and maybe they go from there. But next one, um, basically talk about the, the Golden State Warriors and Jordan Poole. Tyrese Halliburton said, what's wrong with the shot? Everybody know we're talking about the shot with Jordan Poole took at the end of game one. He was wide open. I would have shot the ball, too. Is, is Tyrese Halliburton a, a true teller? I think, that's, I think that's facts. Okay. You know, fairly or unfairly, you know, Jordan is scrutinized more so than – any other warrior, um, especially this season, but you know he he played one hell of a game last night. Um, you know he showed he had it going from range. You know shot. You know game clock's running down. You got nine seconds left. Um, you know the Lakers are kind of pressing up on the perimeter. They found Jordan. Yeah, he was a couple steps behind the free throw line, but he was open. And that's yeah. a shot that he has proven time and time again that he can make. And he was feeling it that night, so I don't have a problem with that shot. Yeah. Um, especially considering, like, you know, if you think back to that, uh, what was it? I think it was that game. Was what was it? Game four when the Warriors were um, playing Sacramento. You know, they let the clock run down too late. Harrison Mar misses a three. You only have even have the opportunity to get offense rebound and get another shot up. So yeah. I don't have a problem with Jordan Poole, a guy who made like three, four threes already that night at an efficient clip. You know, taking a wide open shot from, from a little bit deep. Um, I think um, Emmanuel Acho, I want to say, like posted like a three minute clip 
on Twitter last night of Jordan making shots from similar spots. He could make that shot. He was yeah. confident. He let it fly. Good shot. Yeah, it just I, didn't I, go in. Yeah, I agree. You know, you make some make or miss league. I feel like Jordan put that shot was he was open. I think the only problem is people were talking about was like 10 seconds on the clock and maybe he could have stepped in further. But who knows if he would have stepped in further, taking an off dribble, you know, shot is tougher than taking a catch and shoot shot. But I think the only problem is most people are going to say, well, even though he's capable of making that shot, do you really want your third or fourth option on your team taking that shot with it's that much time left? Um, especially when you got Steph on your team and Klay Thompson as well. But those guys regard it. So it's here nor there. Next tweet, BK94119. That's a weird Twitter name. <laughs> uh, but we kind of you kind of talked about this a little bit. What Kerr doing to Kaminga is just wrong, man. Seriously. Dude played his ass off all year in one bad game. He ruins his confidence. Worst coach I've ever seen for young talent. Truth tell or not. I think that's false. Um, you know, whenever someone wants to, you know, get into the argument of Kerr and his ability to develop young talent, and I just look at the guy we just talked about, Jordan Poole. This is the guy that, you know, entered the league. People thought he had no business being a first-round pick. Um, a couple years into his, you know, a season or two into his career, you know, that it looked like he had no business being in the NBA. But, you know, the Warriors have been the best, you know, developmental staffs in the entire league. And Jordan Poole went from a fringe G League player to a guy who's, to be getting a major contract this summer and you know he, now he's off to the races right um one thing one thing about the warriors and this veteran lady one thing about steve kerr is he rides his veterans in the postseason if there's even a sliver of doubt in his mind um that a young guy will go out there and prevent that team from winning then they're not going to play and you know I, i'm actually working on a story on jk right now and you know i talked to him last night in the locker room he remains confident and you know, a lot of people are scratching their heads why he isn't playing, but, you know, there's got to be a reason, you know, from my experience covering this team, there's got to be a reason whether it's, you know, matchups or, you know, something on that's something that's going on behind the scenes. But the fact of the matter is JK has to stay ready. And I think eventually in this postseason, we'll get his opportunity. And when he does, you know, he has to make the most of it. But I don't think that's a reflection of Kerr. I think Kerr is just doing what, you know, he believes is he's putting the best you know, eight, eight to ten guys out there that he thinks can win, like, right now. Yeah, um, it, yeah I agree. I, mean, I feel like it's tough. It's like a damn yeah. if you do, damn if you don't situation. Like, you, you're trying to compete for championship but also develop talent. I think last year, they probably became, like, the first successful team probably ever to do that. We talk about still having guys and vets and still letting your young guys develop during a regular season, and then they won a championship. That's probably, to me, the first time i ever seen a team – with those type of vets, where still was able to develop some of their young guys through the season. So I think we got to give Kerr the benefit of doubt and cut him a little bit slack. Um, but for this next segment, is called Say It With Your Chest. So I'm going to say a word, or you're going to say the first word or some analysis um, that becomes that becomes behind the word I'm saying. So, shout out for what I was going to say. <laughs> Monte Ellis, Monte Ellis, first, first word. Monte Ellis. One of my favorite players yeah. to watch when I was young. Real-time yeah. beef with Steph Curry. Oh. <laughs> uh, fell off quicker than I thought he would. Mm. Miss watching him play. He was a tough. He was a combo guard. I feel like – talk about the beef with Steph Curry, though. Why you say he had beef with Steph Curry? I mean, it's well documented, right? When Steph yeah. first came to the Warriors, Monte wasn't too happy about that, bringing another guard mm -hmm. to an organization that, you know, could take away from his touches. 
And it's man, it's you know, funny story about that. Uh, last year when I was new on the beat, I wasn't really familiar with that beef. And I was trying to write a story that kind of painted a parallel between Steph grooming Jordan and how Monte groomed yeah. Steph. Turns yeah. out there wasn't much grooming going on, you know, from <laughs> the review and research. But um, I love watching Monte play you know, with those old school Warriors teams. And um, he's a lot better player than he ever got credit for. And yeah, super, um, super I, 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 I wish he played a little bit longer. I wish he was in this situation. Um, you know, or, you knew the situation where he could have won a championship or something like that. But Monte was, you know, one hell of a scoring guard. And I loved watching him play when I was him. Respect. One of the most underrated players this league has ever seen. Next one, we believe Warriors. Aaron Davis. Where were you when he dunked on Andre Carolinko? I remember what I was doing. I was about to go to the movies with my family. And they're like, yeah. CJ, hurry up, hurry up. We're going to miss the movie. Yep. I'm like, Mom, no, give me two seconds. Like the game, it's the fourth quarter game's almost over now. Boy, Baron went baseline and, and ended Andre Carolinko's life. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite, favorite basketball moments. A lot of people's favorite basketball moments, especially yeah. here in the barrier. Um, but Bar Baron Davis is, you know, kind of like Monte. You know, Baron Davis is one of the best guards in, the, in this league that people do not talk about often. Um, yeah. And people forget he was getting busy in, with, the, with, the, with the Hornets, too. The Hornets, yep, yep. Um, so he was I'm getting busy with the Hornets, too, before he even came to Golden State. Um, yeah. UCLA, you know what I'm saying? Um, so shouts to Baron Davis. Um, dude was tough. Yeah, his package was crazy. Like, isolation. Then he had the, the strength and size to get to the rim and then finish over the top. <laughs> you know, handle ability. He was, he was tough. When we talk about some of the best one-on-one -on -one players of all time, people sleep on Baron Davis because that, that brother was cold. Um, next one, when it's all said and done, will Stephen Curry be on the NBA's Mount Rush Roar? I mean, how many heads are on Mount Rushmore? <laughs> four, four, Mount Rushmore. Only four heads on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, yeah. When I set it down, Jordan, Kobe, LeBron. I hope you have Kobe in there, but that's my, those are those are my three locks. That's me though. Kobe, Brian. Who? Do, yeah, who the four? I'm not. Boy, one more, huh? Yeah. Some people got Shaq, Kareem. You know, it's a lot of guys. Will, Bill Russell. Nah. I don't got the guys. Larry Bird. I ain't got, you know, but <laughs> I'm just saying to some people, some people may have KD when it's all said that you never know. That's why I'm asking you. That's tough, man. <laughs> that's tough. That's like, that's like, that's like 20 guys competing for one roster spot. It's, it's kind of like what we talked about, like talent, skill set, and you combine the legacy. That's how I look at it when I talk about these top guys on the all-time list. I feel like, I feel like we need to go back, though. Like, we can't, we gotta have somebody from, like, the... Magic? 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 Most people see Magic on there. Let's tentatively put Magic on there. Let's tentatively okay. put Magic on there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was about okay. to be an ass and say John Waller is my favorite player, but Oh, okay. <laughs> hopefully, 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 Jay Wall, <laughs> Jay Wall can get back in the lead next year because I still think he got some, some talent. You think it's, it's over. over? Okay, it's over. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> uh, last, last one for this segment. If KD doesn't leave the Warriors, fill in the fill in the, the sentence, fill in the blank. If KD are, doesn't leave the Warriors, Steph Curry has six rings already. Mm. Six rings. I, I Six. Six. How many? How many finals MVPs though? 
That's the question. I say two. You say two? Okay. I say two. Oh, yeah. Okay. There, 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 there will at least be some final series where, you know, he kind of outduels KD as his teammate. So I say at least two. He almost he almost got one the second time. He was going for it too, but he had that bad game. Um, I think that kind of messed him up. And then Kevin Durant dropped a. I'm the man. I'm the man. You got robbed by Eagle Dollar. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's that, that, was, <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> that, was, that, that was that was crazy. But uh, final question, CJ. Favorite three favorite Warriors of all time. Who you got? Aaron Davis. Spec. <sighs> Three favorite Warriors. Not best, your favorites. Um, well, definitely Baron Davis. Um, Steven Jackson. Interesting. Okay. Um, Sam Hardaway. Mm. You was okay. I respect that. that's a list that most people. Would not expect or probably have. I have Baron Davis on mine. I got Monte Elvis. And also, I got I, I got to include Curry. I think what Curry has done for that Warriors, you know. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 got, I cover him. I got to be objective. Got to be objective. Yeah. I know. I respect <laughs> it. <laughs> I respect it. But uh, CJ, thank you for coming on, man. Do you got anything yeah. you want to say to, you know, Hoop Ties family, um, Slam, and also, you know, plug your, plug yourself. Tell us, tell us where we can find you at. Hey, Hoop Size Slam, thanks for having me. Um, for anybody who enjoyed, you know, listening to me rap today, uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CJHolmes22. I'm always pumping out that uh, content for the Chronicle on the dubs, and um, we love any support y'all can give me. I appreciate retweets, not likes, and that's all <laughs> I got. <laughs> appreciate you, appreciate you, man. Are we gone, man? Peace. Hey, thanks for having me.